the path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. A very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful <laughs> spells. She's actually sending me in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Let's it be, y'all. Let's it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. Welcome to this bonus episode of That Witch Life Podcast. I am joined today by my two co-hosts. This is Hillary, and I'm joined today by my two co-hosts, Courtney and Kanani. Hello. Hello. And with us, we have a very special guest returning to this podcast. Dr. Beverly is here to talk with us about Burning Man magic. As many people know, Burning Man isn't happening this year because of COVID, and as someone who I am someone who has gone before and think it's an incredible experience. And I'm very excited to welcome Dr. Beverly here to talk about her experiences with Burning Man specifically in relation to magic. Absolutely. Welcome Dr. Beverly. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to give a little bit of, a little bit of context or a little bit of background on Dr. Beverly. She's got a very impressive impressive bio. Dr. Beverly is a two headed conjure woman, an empath and a, justified spiritual worker. She is a root worker, a diviner skilled in bone reading and tarot, formerly a Druid high priestess of the Druidic craft of the wise, the American rite. She is a lifelong student of herbalism, aromatherapy, African-American and Caribbean American folk magic. Dr. Beverly custom blends and handcrafts spiritual baths, conditioned soaps, oils, and sachets in small bashes freshly made to order for each client. A Reiki master and longtime yogi, she believes in the mind-body-soul connection to spiritual growth and healing. Dr. Beverly is available for readings, root work, and spiritual counseling. She has a soft spot for sex workers, dancers, gamblers, and all those who are discriminated against in any way. So we are really excited. We're super excited to have you back. And I know some of our listeners obviously have, have heard you on our show before, but we're really excited to have you back for this. I'm very excited to come back. Burning Man is one of my favorite events. I have five burns under my belt, and I am delighted to be here. Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. So how is every, before we jump into Burning Man, how is everyone doing? Oh, girl, I am so hot, and I don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> I, I, I'm dealing with triple digits in my house right now. It's crazy. Oh. And I live in the, in the mountains of California, but we don't have air conditioning. Most of the homes up here don't because we don't usually have this type of heat. So I am feeling like I'm practically at Burning Man with this type of heat. Right. I, I, we feel you on that here in Oregon. This week is a little bit better, but last week was in the over like in the hundreds every like two or three days a week, and then high nineties the rest of the the rest of the time. And we are not accustomed to that here at all, oh, and none of us have yeah. air conditioning. Also, uh, but Dr. Beverly, you said you're safe from the fires, right? Yes, we are safe from the fires. They're quite a ways from us, thank goodness. Um, 
a couple of weeks ago, there were they were more a present danger to us, but they knocked down the Apple Fire, which was the closest fire to us, mm-hmm. and they're still working on some of the other ones. But thankfully, we're we're really quite out of range. The thing about living in Southern California, well, anywhere in California, the thing about living in California is that you are always prepared to run for your lives. I'm not being sarcastic. I am not being facetious. You have things packed that you need. You have things packed that you can grab at a moment's notice and you just run. And it's not a it's not a great way to live. It's not, it, you know, that's the sort of Damocles hanging over our heads. But at the same time, it's a beautiful place and we can't live our lives in fear. But yeah, wildfires are a yearly, a yearly occurrence here. We kind of live that way with earthquakes. I mean, they happen every 100 years, but we still have our bags packed. At least like, like once a week, Kanani emails me with, did you make sure that you have sneakers under your bed in case the earthquake right. happens at 1.30 in the morning and everything in your house that's glass break? Actually, I'm sorry. That's my mother that does that. My mother <laughs> wants me to have sneakers by my bed in case everything in my house breaks in the middle of the night because of glass. Actually, that's like, great no, idea. how much food do you have? So yeah, in a way we have it, you have it every year. We have it every 100 years. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, I, I totally get that. And that's great advice, actually, to keep shoes close by. Yeah, for great, sure. great advice. Well, it's one thing we were talking about. Um, I mean, listeners of That Witch Life podcast, just so you know, Kanani and Hillary and I spend most of our day at our day jobs, because we work very hard, but also (laughs) chatting privately on Facebook about whatever it is that we want to talk about. And one of the things that we want to bring up is um, the fact that a lot of our friends in Iowa right now are really struggling because of this recent storm that they had, which was like a hurricane, but it was in the Midwest because hashtag climate change. And um, there's been just an enormous number of people that have been displaced, um, crops that have been destroyed, homes that have been decimated. And because of the um, administration that we currently have occupying the White House, mm-hmm. we've not heard much about it, but it's really bad right now for our friends in the Midwest. And so um, just raising up some, you know, some love and thoughts, but also um, some places that people can can donate um, you know, if you've got a couple extra bucks, please, please, please pass along. There are a lot of friends and witches in the Midwest that really need help. Um, a couple of the places to consider are the United Way of East Central Iowa, the Horizons Food Bank, the Wellington Heights Resource Center, the Eastern Iowa Diaper Bank, and the Greater Cedar Rapids Community Bank. I mean, I have heard that the damage in the Midwest is so bad that NASA cameras can see the damage to the crops from space. That's how bad things are in Iowa right now. So we've got our friends in California and the Midwest to think about right now. So whatever you can do to help either place is really, really important. Wow. I knew that there was a storm happening in Iowa, but that is incredible what you are saying. Yeah. It's, it's literally like the like bald spaces where cornfields used to be. So it's, it's lives and it's livelihoods. It's also the food source for the United States, you know? So it's not right. just the food that we eat, but also the food that feeds the animals that we also eat. So we're not hearing a lot about it because it's, um, 
the the of the current occupant of the White House has no interest in actually helping at all or speaking out on behalf of the citizens of this country who need help right now. So it, it's very very bad. Um, but in both pla- both places, I'm not meaning to minimize what's happening in California by bringing up what's happening in the Midwest, but. Um, no, both are devastating. Yes. Yeah, we have a lot of people in the United States who need a lot of help right now. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, absolutely. This is not a a, a a contest for who's suffering more. No. You know, and we're it, all you know, suffering. Ex- if absolutely. Not, if it's not COVID, it's something, you know, yeah. the storms, Oh, yeah, the and people have to evacuate from their homes during a damn pandemic. That's crazy. We actually have family. um, We have family in California. This is the second or third year that they've had to evacuate. Last year when they evacuated, they had to evacuate for five days. Um, And luckily they can stay with other family. And so that's, that's nice. And that's what they've done this year as well. However, because of the pandemic, they are camping in the backyard of family because they can't be in the same house because they cannot potentially be exposed. Right. right. So it's like, we're happy that our family is safe because you know, they're in a safe place, but it's like, they can't, because of COVID, they can't even be in the house where they need to stay. They have to sleep in the backyard Mm. because it's not safe for them to be in the house because the people who live in the house have jobs where they're out in the public working and could potentially get them sick. So it's like, it, it's just, it's insane to be dealing with so many crazy things all at the exact same time. Absolutely. It's scary. It's a scary time. Thank you, Courtney, for bringing that up. I think it's really important that we highlight some of the, the destruction that's going on um, from the storm and also from fires in California, folks, yeah, if you have a chance to donate in any way, there are many support groups um, in California as well. So uh, look it up and maybe don't buy a coffee one week for one time one week and, and throw that at people if you have the extra funds available. Um, so Dr. Beverly, I would like to know, I would like to know, so when was the first time you went to Burning Man? What year was that? I went to Burning Man for the first time in 2015. 2015. And I've been back every year since, except for, of course, this year. But I would have been back this year. And what what drew you to Burning Man in the first place? Well, I had seen some photos online of some of the beautiful art out there. For those who don't know, Burning Man is a, a week-long event, a little bit more than week long, about eight days, um, ending on Labor Day every year. And it is an art event. They have art of incredible scale, just larger than life pieces out there. And of course, it's a social experiment in the desert where you go into the desert and you take a place that is completely desolate that has no infrastructure at all, and in a matter of a couple weeks, raise a city, and then people come, they spend their time, and then they leave. And it last year, Burning Man welcomed 80,000 participants. So the city was 80,000 strong. 
And what attracts me about Burning Man mostly, besides the incredible art and the interesting people, because every day I'm talking to and meeting such cool and such interesting, fascinating people from all over the world. But what really interested me more than anything was the art. I'm an artist myself. I work with stained glass. I do mosaics. I'm also a quilter. So I was very interested in visual, in the visual arts. And it's incredible. And what drew me out there was the art. What keeps me going back besides the art is the culture. I love the culture. I love the fact that it's guided by 10 principles. Um, look at me, I should have probably written them down before I arrived. But principles such as self-reliance, self-expression, decommodification, which means no money is exchanged at Burning Man except for ice. That's the only thing you can spend money on is ice. Everything else is freely given, freely offered. So it's a gifting, it's a gifting culture. And that's one of the things I love about it. You, you go out there to this desert, to this desolate, desolate place, 27 square miles of fine, uh, not quite white, almost like yellow, but very caustic alkaline sand. So right there, right there, you're starting out with a very, very challenging landscape. And you get out there and you have to bring in everything you need. There are no shops. There's nothing there. You have to be totally self-reliant. And so that's one of the things that keeps bringing me back. And I love watching the culture around self-reliance, around self-expression, around decommodification, around gifting, which is one of the 10 principles, around helping. So when you're there in a struggle to stay alive, because the days are often three, three digits, you know, triple digit heat, and the nights sometimes dip into the 40s. The first year I was there in 2015, it was so cold at night. So it was, I was there in 15 and it was freezing. Wasn't it ridiculous? They called it, it so sleeping cold. man. They called it sleeping man because everybody was like huddling in their tents at night trying to stay warm. But I loved it. I love it so much because of that culture, that free spiritedness where you are accepted for who you are. At least that's that's what they aim. You know, that's 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 the utopian idea, and that's what they aim for. And yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I think it's a it's a very when I describe it, I'm like it's hard to describe because it's not like anything else, right? Um, and it's a very unique and special place, and the art is mind blowing. I mean, just like astounding the art that is out there is just incredible. Um, and there's no way, I mean, I remember, I think the first year, I think that I've been twice and I think the first time I went was 12, 2012. And then the last time I went with two, was 2015. Right. And it the first time I went, I was also, I was on a build crew for a camp and I was like, I got there and I was like, what, this is the, it, this is like the craziest 
like we're, we're going into a different universe. <laughs> You're just like, oh, what is this? Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and watching the city come alive both times I was there early. Um, and watching the city come alive was really magical too. Um, and it is, yeah, it's not like anything. It's really not like anything I've experienced before. And there's no way that you can see all even close to all of the things because there's no. just so much. There's no way you can even get to every part of the city and enjoy no. and enjoy <laughs> everything. You know, everything, you know, it's a it's a gifting it's a gifting culture. So there's free food and there's free booze and there are free toys and it, it's just it's like nothing you've ever seen before. It's really it is really remarkable. And I think people like what people bring to the table, it's really cool to watch what type of gift each people bring or each person brings or each group, Mm -hmm. what each camp brings to the table is really neat. Um, It's really neat. Um, So what, how would you define festival magic? And do you think it exists at other festivals? Was this something that was unique to you at Burning Man? Well, I'm going to tell the truth. I've never been to another festival. I've been to several concerts throughout my life, but this was the first time I attended a festival. I think festivals, especially these festivals that take place over um, several days, over more than a week, and you have to remember that the build, some of the build crews are there up to two weeks early, and some of the crews that are putting the area back to its original state are there two weeks after. At, so, at least. Yeah. At, at least, least, at least sometimes, yeah. sometimes up to a month. Yep. There so, are people that are out in the, in Ger- Gerlach and then in the, in the desert for some months. Absolutely. From, 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 from June, from June. Yeah. Some of them are that out there because they're building the streets. Can you only imagine laying out the streets but I think in a, in a community like this, where you're definitely building a community from the ground up and everyone is coming together, it's all coalescing during an eight-day period, I think it has a culture of its own that grows spontaneously, that sort of just pops up. Let me give you an example. When I arrived in 2015, I arrived on gate day, Sunday night, and it took me about 10 hours to get through the gate. Yeah. But but that sounds about right. (laughs) Right. But, but I was, I was at my, I, I I pulled up to my campground at eight o'clock in the morning. So while I was in gate, I totally missed this because I was in gate during the dawn. But on Tuesday morning, I was sleeping in my tent and all of a sudden I heard a great, just thunderous, and it just kept growing and growing, this thunderous cheering and laughing and dancing, and the music, extent, uh, it, it, you know, got more intense, intensified, because as you know, there's music 24-7 there, but the music was louder, and I realized that every morning at dawn, there's great celebration at dawn. These are things that you learn about a culture, and you can only learn it by being there. No one's going to sit you down and say, oh, guess what? We're going to cheer the sun. We're going to cheer for the sun in the dawn. Likewise, in the sunset, it's wolf howling. 
it's it's the howling of wolves, not 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 real wolves, people wolves. People will uh, will uh, howl like wolves at the sunset, and so I found that this place had a life of its own, and a culture that was building and that was being shaped and magic that was being shaped with every following year. For example, the land that the event is on is Paiute land, the Paiute Indian tribe. And it's uh, the, the uh, Burning Man people rent it from the Paiute tribe. And I'm told that the Paiute tribe goes out there and does extensive rituals and extensive magic and energy work, both before and afterwards. They also offer a couple of rituals on the schedule, and I've been to those, and those are really intense. When you sit with the people, the people of the land, who are calling on the ancestors who walked that very land before you set foot there. And they're calling on the watchtowers of the land and the spirits of that land. That's intense. So I felt that that was a very big part of my magical experience at Burning Man, was going to the various rituals put on by the Paiutes and the other local tribes that that's something that you can observe, but not really um, participate in unless you have ancestry. So I found that to be very moving. I would pour a libation of pure water for my ancestors every morning when I would rise with the sun and join with the dancing and the celebration and the recognizing of the recognition of life and joy and play because that burn week is all about the harvest. It's all about harvesting the hard work that you and the plans and the goals that you have set have all come to fruition during burn week. And so it is like a harvest celebration. And I find that it's a little late, it's obviously a little late for llamas and a little early for the vernal equinox, but I find it to be, I find myself to be in a state of spiritual tenderness and vulnerability during burn week. Now, part of that might be because I've always served as a temple guardian. And can you can you tell us what a temple guardian is? Absolutely. Absolutely. As you know, Burning Man focuses on the ritual burning of the man at the end of the week. The ritual burning of the man which is celebratory, which is a, a new beginning and 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 transformative. The temple is burned on Sunday night, the day after the man is burned. And the temple, like the man, is a giant wooden structure, absolutely gorgeous, absolutely different every year. Artists vie and audition 
for the ability and the honor to design and build the temple. And the temple is, while the man is a focal point for the celebrations that we are there to experience and the fun and the games and the, and the play and the carousing that we do because there's plenty of carousing at Burning Man. But the temple is a different energy. The temple is a focal point for introspection and meditation. The temple is a place where you can go and be quiet. The temple has a quiet zone around it. The only place in Burning Man that has a, a quiet zone. And temple guardians are there to hold space for the, for the participants. Many of the participants go there to mourn their dearly departed. Or they go there to release addictions or they go there to release relationships. But the temple is a place for mourning and for change. The temple is also a place of celebration because weddings, hand fastings, baby, um, baby blessings are done in the temple. But its main focal point, its main focal, um, its main point of the temple is to have a place for people to put pictures and mementos and messages to their dearly departed loved ones, their dearly departed pets, their dearly departed friends. And temple guardians are there for two reasons. To hold space for anyone who may need us. Temple guardians always have a shoulder to cry on if you need it. Temple guardians always have a sharpie pen if you need to put some, if you need to write a message on the wooden um, the wooden lumber of the structure. Temple guardians are also there to protect the participants and the structure itself. I'll tell you a story. I was a guardian. I've been a guardian um, every year except 2019, and. I don't remember what year this is because this is kind of a story that kind of happens almost every year. Someone comes in to participate, to check out, to look in, or to meditate, relax in the temple, and they walk in with a lit cigarette. Well, that's an absolute no-no. We cannot allow cigarettes inside the temple because it is a wooden structure. So I asked this lady to put her cigarette out. She set it down, fully lit, onto the wooden structure and went into the temple. So me as a guardian, I snuffed that bad boy out because our job is to hold space first and foremost for the participants, be there with a, with a hanky, with, with a hug, with a warm and comforting word, but our second job is to protect the structure from the participants, from them climbing it, from them burning it down prematurely, from you know them getting hurt by trying to navigate the structure. You would not believe how many people try to, to climb those structures every year. 
And so I love being a temple guardian because I've seen so much magic happen in the temple. I've seen people do their individual rituals. I've seen groups come in and do full-on um, pagan rituals in the, in, the, in the temple. I've seen groups come in and do full church services in the temple. I've seen groups come in and do performance magic and performance art in the temple. The temple is a focal point for the emotional heart of the city. And I have been blessed to participate in the magic of the temple on many occasions. Yeah, the, the temple is really incredible. It is, um, the energy in there is overwhelming and not, not in a bad way. I mean, in a, it, when I, the first time I walked in, I was like, oh my God, I felt like I was going to pass out. The energy was so strong right. and it wasn't in a bad way. It was just in like such a powerful way. And I found that as you get closer to the center and it's funny because when I first started coming in, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming. The energy is like pretty intense. And then as I got to the center, it was very still. Yes. Like, and it was an interesting thing. Cause I remember specifically being like, Ooh, the energy in here is, is not heavy in a, in a negative way, but in a just like all encompassing way. And then as I went from the entrance towards the center where a huge altar was, I mean, there's kind of altars all over the place, but where the focal center was, Mm -hmm. it was very still. It was like very interesting. It's like you walk through this wall of energy and emotion and hopes and fears and grief and whatever else people put in there. And then you got to the center and it was this like profound stillness. Isn't and- that incredible? I mean, that's uncanny. And, and I mean, I noticed the same thing you did. And the beauty of it is that that temple has no religion. And that, al- and that altar had no religion. Yeah. And, and everything in the temple, the temple is an empty structure when it's finished. It's completely empty. So everything in there was put in by participants. Yeah. And and what you say about when when you reach the the vortex of the power, which is often an altar built by someone, put in there by someone. Yeah. Um when you reach that, you're right. The energy completely, I don't even want to say shifts, but it transforms. And and what has what is often sometimes chaotic energy on the outskirts of the temple or um, super heavy with grief and super heavy with, yeah. with, with fear and with sorrow, you get in there closer to the center of that power and there is that stillness. And it's interesting because so many different people from different walks of life and you know different spiritualities and different ideologies are yeah. all are all there. They're all there. I mean I had the same experience. I saw people doing pagan rituals. I saw like I saw I, I mean I can't count the en- number of religious practices that I saw present there. Absolutely. So many. 
And, and it's interesting because yeah, it's like that center. It's like almost like, you know, like you have like a, that the calm in the center of a storm, it's like all of this emotion is packed in, right? It's like this, it's, and it's like this wall of emotion. You get to the center and it's like, what's holding all of that together. And that's what feels so grounded. I mean, I was like, whoa, it's super grounded and super still having walked through what was an incredibly emotional experience to go through it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I found it just to be very, it was a, it was a different energy. I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't, again, it wasn't like, I agree. It wasn't a shift. It wasn't like it changed, but it was like, there was this like reverence or stillness or focus or like just kind of core rooted energy, like right in the center Yes, was reverence whole- and stillness. Reverence and stillness. You're absolutely right. And gra- and and you and you feel that the people in that area are grounded. You feel like there is a common thread that mm-hmm. is connecting everyone in that space. It's really quite uncanny, and and quite a different energy from the man. You know, it's a super different energy because the man is like jovial and excited and people are running around and they're all like super, you know, it's, it's a very different vibe. And it's interesting because I also think, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the temple also provides this respite for people that are overwhelmed. Like if you're overwhelmed in this invest, this festival environment, you're like, Oh my God. Cause it's a lot. And it's you like will sensory be. overload. You will um, be overloaded. Yes, you will be. Yeah, you will. Part, it's part of, mm. yeah, it's like part of the discomfort you have to get through to mm-hmm. enjoy Burning Man. It's like, you have to get through the heat and the cold and the dust storms and that just overwhelming energy to, and, and it really becomes a place of like giving in, you can't fight it or you'll be miserable. (laughs) You know, you just kind of have to be like, all right, I don't know. This is like the harshest environment that I've ever been in. And I'm just going to throw myself into it and let it be what it is for me. And that, and I think that temple provides that when everything feels super chaotic and like all of these emotions and it's like, you've been overwhelmed by visuals and arts and people and everything's real feels really chaotic. That temple for me was a place where I could go and really like recenter and be like, okay, I'm, you know, like have this moment of just like grounding to, and then you leave and it's like, again, it's like you feel different and it's, and that burnt when they burn the temple, it's really incredible to see Oh, it's incredible. 80,000 people being silent, you know, especially because as you said, when they burn the man, it's like everyone's partying. People are like all the cars are blasting music. Oh yeah. You got, you got drummers, you got fire dancers, you know, you got, you've got jugglers, you've got all kinds of fireworks and lasers and, 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 and and the noise, the decibels at the burning of the man. So so loud. And that just kind of starts at the beginning of the week and just keeps until the, until the Saturday and that, that energy, you just feel it and you just, you just ride that wave and it's crazy. It's, it's, it's so much 
fun and so over the top and so intense. And then the burning of the temple on Sunday is the very next day. Is it's like the opposite. different. It's like the totally it's like the different. Polar opposite. It's completely polar opposite. And it's, it's to me, it's mind boggling to notice that change in just everyone's energy. You know, like you said, you could hear a pin drop while that, yeah, while like, that temple is burning. A pin drop. Yes. And it's interesting because I remember having this moment where for the first time that I saw the temple burn, and actually both times, I, I where I sat down and it's like I looked around and I was like, 80,000 people are silent. Yeah. Or like that's, I mean, it's like you're looking around at a sea of, you can't see past people, you know? And it's like, it is si- it's just dead silence. And I, it was I've so really normal. never experienced anything like that. No. And I really think that it's a collective respect for the ancestors. Yeah. I think to see a place that is hung with photos and mementos and offerings to your dearly departed and all those wonderful heartfelt written messages and 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 to 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 read with anguish the the struggles and the challenges and the transformation and then they light fire to that and 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 to see all those offerings and to go to go up in flame and it's just it can i just tell you a story about a burn day about a about a, yeah. temp, a temple burn day you know that on the morning of the temple burn the temple burns after dark on on sunday night and then the event is done on labor day but the morning of the temple burn they have to get everyone out of the temple they cannot take any chances that someone will still be hidden in the temple because we we know that there are people that actually have hidden in the temple for whatever reason, refusing to leave. But it takes them several hours to make sure that the temple is completely empty. So they generally close it on Sunday morning. Now, there is always invariably people who have not had a chance. They keep putting it off putting it off. They haven't had a yeah. chance to visit the temple. And almost always, these are people who have loved ones, who have dearly departed, that they want to honor. And so they are always upset when they arrive and there's a, 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 a huge circle of temple guardians keeping them, you know, quite a distance from the temple. I mean, it's quite a radius that we put up keeping people out of the temple on burn day. But we are there not just to keep the perimeter safe, but we're also there to accept their last-minute offerings and their last-minute momentums. And the first year that I did this was 2015. And a couple walked up to me, and I said, I'm sorry, I can't let you in. And the woman immediately just burst into tears. We've been here all week and we just kept putting it off and we just, we, we have to get in there. We have to say goodbye to our baby. She had given birth to a stillborn and she wanted to give offerings 
in honor of her stillborn. I couldn't let her in there. We, it was against policy. So that's what we are there for. We are there to take those last minute offerings and to embrace those people who would want to go into the temple and who can't and to take those offerings into the temple. And that lady and her husband stood there and just wept and wept and wept and wept as they watched me take their little silver frame with their little girl's picture. She was stillborn, but they had a beautiful little picture of her. And some little boots, little booties that they had made for her and a little card, and I took it into the temple for them. And that's what I love about being a temple guardian. I love that. I love that. I love being there for the people. I love, that was my gift that day. That was my gift. Yeah. Was being able to take those last minute offerings into the temple. And none of them were more important to me than making sure that little girl understood that her mom and dad remembered her and wanted to honor her in the temple. So I feel like the whole week is filled with magic, you know? The magic of meeting new people, of, 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 of experiencing these rituals and these workshops and these ceremonies together and having all this fun and all this play and coming together and, and, and talking and experiencing all this beautiful art with each other and also honoring our ancestors, honoring those who have gone before us, and, and, and having a focal point, a focal point for, for, for spirituality, a focal point for feeling vulnerable, and for getting that quiet, that moment of quiet when you want to sit in quiet meditation. It's really quite magical that that whole place has 24-7 music, ridiculous decibels, and yet, you can find a place of quiet in the temple. Yeah, yeah it's, it's remarkable because you are, you've been in that space where you're like, oh my gosh, like earplugs aren't even enough loud. <laughs> you're like, oh my God, it's so loud. And then you get into this space that is calm and grounded and silent. And you're like, how is it even silent? I mean, like, how is it even possible? Right. (laughs) How is it possible? And then you leave the temple and it's just back to that whole, that whole din, the din of the din of celebration, you know? Yeah. Can you, so I know that you've done ritual and as well taught, taught magic to younger campmates. Yes. Um, Can you, can you, Tell me like, what are, what are, what's, what's great about doing ritual at a festival and what's challenging about doing ritual at a festival like that? Well, particularly Burning Man, the challenge is leave no trace. That's very hard. So you're not going to have anything that makes ashes. You're not going to have anything that makes any sort of sediment to leave behind. And really they even discourage even fresh water being poured onto the playa. When I poured libations, and I probably shouldn't admit this, I've always done it very little bit and very secret, in, in secret and, and very quiet. Um, because 
our deal, the organization's deal with the Paiute tribe and with the Bureau of Land Management, the feds, is that we will leave the place as pristine as we found it. So that is difficult um, in itself in doing ritual. However, the place doesn't need a lot of purification. It doesn't yeah. need yeah. it doesn't need any trappings, you know. So when I have done ritual at Burning Man, it's about either the rising sun, it's either dawn magic that I've done at the dawn one Thursday morning, and Thursday morning is the traditional morning. Thursday is a traditional day for weddings, baby blessings, and hand fastings at the temple. And Thursday morning is the white procession. People dress in white, and they come. And as you know, Burning Man is bicycles only. So people are either white walking or they're riding their bikes in pure white coming from all over the city towards the temple. Think about the city being a clock. And the people in the city are residing between 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock on the clock. The man is in the dead center of the clock. And the temple is at 12 noon. So while you are at the temple, you can see the entire city. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more remarkable than seeing people dressed in pure white coming from all over the city as the sun rises. I did do a sunrise festival, I mean a sunrise ritual one year on Thursday morning and I will never forget that. We basically just greeted the dawn and we did ritual to greet the dawn and we had a pre-dawn um, period of meditation. We had some pre-dawn yoga. And then we went into ritual um, welcoming, blessing the participants, invoking the god and the goddess. And it was very incredible. I've also loved to do full moon rituals. At, at Burning Man, and they're almost always spontaneous. They're just a bunch of like-minded of us going, oh my goodness, it's full moon. Let's go out to the trash fence. The trash fence is way, way in what they call deep playa, far, far away from the city. It's a hell of a bike ride. And it's a hell of a bike ride. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hell of a bike ride. And we would go out there and do sky-clad, um, moon rituals. And it's beautiful because just random people would join us. And even people who, who would tell you later on that they had no idea what you were doing. But it was cool. It was interesting. And they wanted to be involved. You know. Yeah, I find people are very like if you're doing something, they're like, that's amazing. They're just like, that's so cool. Can I witness this be part of it? I mean, it's a very, people are very, I think in a place or most people, many people are in a place to just kind of like throw themselves into a new experience. So I've found when I've done ritual or performance art at Burning Man, it's been 
it, it, like people, there wasn't like, what are you doing? It was like, everyone's like, what are you doing? That's amazing. You know, it's this like very open environment for that. And I feel like people won't, people will respectfully join and just like, just take your lead. They're not like, Oh, explain this to me. I don't know what this is. They're like just there to, to hold space with you. Right. And I think that's really cool. Yes. They're very, you know, I think that the people that go to Burning Man are already in a, a space, in a headspace of being willing to experience new things. You really can't go there and you be, yeah. you know, <laughs> and be pinched because it's a close, it's a clothing optional place. And there are um, libations of all kinds, if you take my meaning. And um, there's booze flowing everywhere. You have to be an open-minded person and a live-and-let-live person. Yeah. No, no, one, no one is going to force you or corral you into an experience that you are not interested in having. But, no. But at the same time... At the same time, you have to give someone else that same courtesy and allow people yeah. to experience whatever it is that they wish to experience with mutual respect and mutual consent and that sort of thing. But this is not a place to go to clutch your pearls because no. you'll be <laughs> clutching your pearls all week. Yeah, it will be. Well, and also, you know, I feel like it really is there, you know, there is something for everyone there. I mean, like there are, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings there and NA meetings there. There are every sort of religious ceremony that you can think of. You know, there are, there are different types of music. There is free nudity. There's ballroom dancing. There's camps that are sexually focused. There's camps that focus on children, meditation, on yes, exactly. And it's like you, so one, I think that you have to be exactly what you said. It's kind of just like a live and let live. It's like, I'm going to do my, my experience is going to be my experience. And if you talk to people that go, none of them have the same experience, even if they went together. I mean, that's like, right. that's right. You know, you might have a, a day or a, or a moment that you experienced with someone else that you share that's fun to talk about. I have a fun one with like what the first year I went, my friend and I got caught like stuck in an, in an art car in a bus. Uh-huh. We couldn't, people kept crowding on and we kept trying to get off. And it was like, we were like, Oh my gosh. But we ended up in a totally different part of the city, which we were like, okay, let's check this out. Right. <laughs> right. You have to be willing to just kind of roll with the punches because nothing about Burning Man is comfortable. (laughs) It's not. And and that's not in a bad way. And it's in a good way. It's in a way that like you, if you are someone that has that sense of deep, deep control, you got to let it go because you can't control this environment. And you can't, I mean, I mean, I'm not even a real, you know, pinched person, but I'll tell you, I got the schedule, you know, that little fat booklet that they Mm -hmm. give you. I got the schedule and I'm sitting there and I'm checking off all these things I'm going to do. Yeah, I did the same thing. Girl, I had my schedule figured out for the whole week. Did I do any of it? No. None of it, right? None. None Yeah, same. And I'll tell you why. Because every experience moves you into another experience. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
You meet totally. Some cool, you meet some cool people, and they're like, "Hey, let's go to this part of the city." You go to that part of the city, and you're watching some Buddhists play this amazing, you know, Philharmonic, and you're like, "Oh my god!" And you jump on the art car, and you go over to the next part of the city, and they've got grilled cheese sandwiches, and you're like, "Oh my god!" And then you jump in the art car, and you go to another part of the city, and they've got free therapy, free therapy. You can yeah, I got a, I got a foot bath. I got a foot bath and a foot massage while I was at Burning Man. Oh, please, somebody washed my hair, and I've got waist length dreads. I, <laughs> I was, I was so happy. I can't even tell you. They're like, "You want your hair washed?" I'm like, "Hell yes!" You're but, like, "Yes," because you know, I know they were like, "Yeah." I had been so the first year I went, I I went out. I mean, like a week, a whole week early. Maybe yeah. even more than, yeah, I was out at, I was, I was at Burning Man for like, I think we were there for 12 or 13 days in total. Right. And, you know, it was actually, I had a heart, I was like, I was dealing with a shoulder injury that was brutal. So I was like, I'm not even sure why I'm on the build team. I can only lift with one arm, you know, but I'm glad that I got to see that. And, you know, it's interesting because I, we had been on our feet and I've been on my feet. I mean, everyone is on their feet the whole time, but we had also been, you know, building and my feet were already falling apart, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the alkaline like, sand, the alkaline yeah, sand alkaline is very sand. harsh. I'm wandering, I'm wandering around and I'd like gone. I think someone that I had met the night before had invited me to have like tea at their camp. They were having like a tea party. Mm-hmm. And then I was, as I was walking back to somewhere else, someone was like, would you like a foot bath and a foot massage? And I was like, what? <laughs> God, like, what is this? Like, where, where did this come from? I couldn't even hear like what, you know, like I didn't know where it was, where the voice was coming from. And I turned around and I was like, there's this like lovely young person standing there going, would you like a foot bath and a foot massage? We'll like wash your feet and deeply condition it and give you a foot massage. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and I just sat there and had the a greatest conversation with a whole bunch of people while these lovely humans whose camp was entirely, whose gift to Burning Man was foot care for people. Isn't that amazing? And I, and I was like, this is the best. This is incredible. And I found that the more that I just was like, I'm just going to, whatever, I have to let go of like trying to see things, trying to do things, worrying about, you know, and just roll with it. And it was like, whoa, like suddenly I was like, just ending up coming upon so many different areas and so many different people. And it is, it is a remarkable environment. And I definitely think that many forms of magic exist there. I was just going to say that you receiving that foot bath, that was their magic for you. Totally. That was their, and I don't think our listeners understand how incredibly precious it is to get a foot bath. Number one, every drop of water, that is poured in Burning Man needs to go out. Every, every, everything, everything that, that is brought in has to go out. So all your gray water, you can't just throw it on the ground. There's no drainage. There's no, no. there's no, you have to pack it out with you. you can't, and you're not even allowed to put it in the, in the, in the porta potties, in the porta potties, as they famously say, the only thing that can go into the porta potties comes out of your body. That's the only thing yeah. that can go into the porta potties. So you can't even put your gray water there. So your listeners have to understand that getting a foot bath in a place where you do so much walking, so much bike riding, in boots, and some people do wear flip-flops, where your feet will be um, sweaty, 
hot and some people are affected by that alkaline sand. They get that soreness. They get sores on their feet from the alkaline. And see, these foot baths have vinegar in there to, yeah. to, to, to balance your pH. And so a foot bath, a foot bath camp is a great gift to the participants. A great gift. I mean, a hundred percent. And I was just like, I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. What? This is like just what I needed at the right time. That's their magic for you. They took you and improved your day with, with, with a simple, with a simple foot bath and a simple massage. Yeah, they did. And that it's like, again, that it's like, that's its own magic. It's own magic. And I think that there is some real magic in that energy exchange between gifter to gifter. So like you come to someone's camp, like, you know, and it's, I mean, I would go to, people would come to the camp that I was at the second year I went, I actually was camping with Burning Man crew because I was helping, I was helping stage manage some stages there for, for Burning Man. Okay. Um, and both times, you know, there, it's like people would come, I mean, people didn't come as much with in the staff camp because they, it was like an area that was, you know, kind of, kind of closed, off, kind of closed off. Yeah. Kind of closed off. So just so people could, you know, all of their, cause some of those, like I said, some of those people are out there for months. So, um, but when I, when the first camp I was there with, you know, it was, people would come up and, you know, we had a bar we had a bar and we had live music. So we were right on Esplanade, big sound camp. We had a bar with live music and people would come up and, you know, we'd say, Oh, do you want a drink? We give them a drink. And they like, I came home with like beautiful necklaces, mm-hmm. like people, like someone was, someone was giving, someone gave me, I think handmade lotion. Right. Oh, yeah. I was like, what a great gift because every, like your skin is so dry. You know, someone offered one of the best me a gifts shoulder ever, rub. One of the best gifts I ever got was a chapstick. Brand new oh my God. Right. Yes. So like people come and their people are very creative. One of my campmates, they pre-made all these little glass flasks that they had etched our camp logo onto. Um, and they had pre-made little cocktails that, and then sealed them. So people knew that they weren't tampered with. Oh my and goodness. I had one of those. Was that in 2015? That was in 2012, but it might be the same camp. I I got one of those in 2015, a little sealed cocktail, and you could choose the different cocktails you wanted. Yeah, we had like I think she made like Sazerac and she made like Manhattans and whatever. Yeah. So there was like you know people got so get so creative, and I think that that type of gifting, that exchange of like you're offering something and someone is offering something. And I mean, obviously like sometimes people were, I mean, it's not a, you have to give me something. And I, like, I try and explain this to people. It's not a, you have to give me something to get something no, scenario. No, It's like, sometimes people like gifts, sometimes didn't. Sometimes, I mean, I didn't have anything on me when the foot camp people were there and I just like gave them all hugs and thanked them. You know, like I was like, thank you. Can I give you a hug? Thank you. So it really is this like cool environment of that energetic exchange between people. Right. There's no rules. There's no rules that you have to give. It's just, it's part of their culture. It's the, it's part of the energy. It's part of that magic. It's not like a, you do this for me, but it's like, I want to give you this because I'm grateful for you. Right. You know, and it's like, it's a cool, it's a very cool environment. 
So I want to make sure that we have enough time um, to ask people or to ask you how people can get in touch with you. If they want to, if they want to find you, find your incredible products, um, get a reading from you. Uh, what What's the best way for people to find you? Well, my um, the best way to find me to do readings, I don't have my products set up on the website yet, although that's a work in progress. But the best awesome. the best way to find me for readings is www.docbev.com. That's okay, we'll make sure to link this on the yeah, website. Docbev.com. Doc, doc also, um, my email is info, as in information, info at docbev.com. And you're also on Facebook, right? I am under Beverly Smith. Awesome. Of course, there's tens of thousands of Beverly Smiths because apparently it's a very common name in the UK. <laughs> so it's like, oh man. Well, you know, we just really appreciate you coming. And I'm so glad that we got to have this because I think it's so timely. You know, I know so many people that Burning Man is such an important part of their year. And I, and I think that, you know, and we're all grieving this year. We're grieving because it had to be canceled. It had to be canceled, you know? And it's like, I, I'm very grateful for you coming on because I hope that our listeners that are sad about Burning Man can use this as a, as a way to remind themselves and, and kind of reminisce about their beautiful experiences at Burning Man and get excited for the ones that can happen when we can return to being in public. So, well, I want to remind, you so I want to remind your listeners, especially your, your, your burners that they are doing a virtual burn this year. And yes. I don't know any of the details about it, but it can be found at uh, burningman.org. And yeah, well, um, they can get in, get involved in the fun. I believe that this is going to be different and and more open to a lot more people because it's virtual. Yeah. So this might be, I, I have no idea what it's going to be. I have no idea. You know, I think that... It has been amazing to watch how people have, and we've seen this in talking to people that do, um, you know, festivals, magic festivals, pagan festivals, witchcraft festivals that have had to pivot to being virtual. You know, there is something that's very sad about not being able to come together, but there's also something that's really magical in that pivot to being able to do stuff virtual, because I think that it does give accessibility to people that might not have ever been able to access, like access it in any other way. That's why I'm and, suggesting that they get onto it because it's interactive. Yeah, I love that. It's interactive. I, I yeah, I love that. And I think be. I'm excited to hear that they're doing a virtual event because I do think that it, you know, it's, it's also very inspiring to watch artists and event coordinators and festival coordinators find ways to pivot. I think it's really inspiring to see how creative they get in being able to present things in a virtual realm. So yeah, I'm excited to watch that and and tune in. Um, well, I just want to thank you so much for coming today, Dr. Beverly and to our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the show, the best way is to subscribe, rate and review on us on iTunes. You can buy us a coffee and check out, uh, and check out our merch on the Etsy store for bonus content, become a supporter of Patreon. We actually just released brand new music from Jenna green, who we interviewed recently. Um, she, uh, she was incredibly kind to let us share 
some brand new music with our Patreons. So if you're not on Patreon and you want to hear her music, uh, sign up for as little as a dollar. Um, it's a great way to support us and to support her as well. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio transcripts, or to ask us a question to answer on a future episode, go to thatwitchlife.com. And until then, keep moting that shit. Talk to you next week. <laughs> Find us at thatwitchlife.com for archived episodes or to ask your burning questions for us to answer in a future podcast. So mote it be. Well, the first the first year you're there, you hit that wall, that emotional wall. For yeah. me, it was on Wednesday night. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. Literally, there was, yeah. I think, I think mine was like, yeah, it was like Tuesday or Wednesday. And I just was like, this was a terrible fucking idea. Fuck this yeah. one, you know? Yeah. And, and, and then I had that moment and I like cried about it. And I, because it is like, a, it's such a hard, it's an overwhelming environment first on every level. You know, it's like physically oh, just, uncomfortable. Just dealing with the heat. Just it's dealing hot with the as fuck. It's yeah. hot as fuck. It's physically uncomfortable. The Playa dust is harsh on your skin. But the thing is, is like, I did really have that moment. I had this moment where, where I just thought, you know, I'm just going to have to literally just like succumb to this discomfort or I'm going to have a terrible time. Like.